All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted jewelry that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has you covered. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. In our latest installment of South by South of House, in our series featuring some of the movies that were going to be shown at South by Southwest before the event was canceled, including our next film, which would have had its world premiere. It's called The Pushback, and it takes a look at the changing political profile of the second largest state in the country, both physically and by population, Texas. The documentary is rooted in the campaigns of Congresswoman Veronica Escobar, one of the first two Latinas elected to Congress, and Natasha Harper Madison, the only two black, only black woman to run for Austin City Council in 2018. Their stories become part of a larger progressive movement in Texas that takes place on the border in black communities and in families and in backyards, and it pushes back on several stereotypes. The film reveals Austin is not quite as liberal as you thought, and it took until 2018 for El Paso to elect a Latina to Congress, someone who is now thought to be a good candidate to run with Joe Biden if he secures the nomination. The pushback shows how Texas is capable of turning from red to purple faster than you might think. The pushback was produced and directed by veteran filmmaker Kevin Ford, someone who has lived in Texas, and Kevin joins us on the line now. Kevin, welcome to all of it. Thanks for having me. So you made a film called American Chaos that looked at what led up to the 2016 election. As it turned to 2018 in the midterms, what did you see in Texas that made you think this would be a good way to cover politics in our country at this time? Well, American Chaos, that was, you know, throughout 2016. And actually, my good friend Jim Stern directed that. I co-produced, shot, and edited. So I was it's on the ground, you know, seeing the whole story of what happened with Trump's movement. And that movie ended at the inauguration. And, you know, we were done, spent about a year editing the film. Eventually, Sony Picture Classics put it out in theaters and stuff. And, you know, even though I didn't agree with the people in the film, we were really trying to show what that movement was about on the ground, Trump supporters, um, how this even came to be. So as a you know, shooter and an editor, you end up absorbing all of that like a sponge, mm-hmm. even if you don't agree with it. So after some time, I kind of felt like I, I wanted to focus on the other side, something that would be closer to my own beliefs, people fighting against bigotry, standing up against racism, xenophobia, all that. And I was with Jim, uh, the director of American Cast, my wife and some other friends, and the conversation came up at the time about Beto O'Rourke, the congressman who was challenging Ted Cruz. I lived in Texas for 10 years. And I guess I'd kind of been out of the loop, and I thought, wait, what's going on? It caught my attention, the conversation. I said, well, what's going on down there? And um, that's what really piqued my interest, is there was there was all this talk suddenly of, you know, Texas maybe kind of turning blue a little bit or something. That was enough to pique my interest. And I, within a week and a half, I went down, and not to follow Congressman O'Rourke or that campaign specifically, but to really get into some of the people, citizens, activists, newcomers to politics. And so I zigzagged around the state for the next year and a half, just trying to kind of 
follow that inspiration that was in the wake of, of say, what O'Rourke and others were doing. Now, for people who don't know their Texas history, there were six flags over Texas, right? Spain, France, Mexico, Republic of Texas, Confederate States of America, and the United States of America. And most Texans can tell you that. <laughs> so I'm right. curious, how does the, the Texas political identity, what is it now? As you traverse the state over that year and a half, how do Texans view themselves these days? Well, first, I would say I'm definitely not a historian. I kind of wish I was. I'm just a filmmaker, an artist. And so any opinion I have is is important to quantify by saying that I'm just a guy that's observing. But also, I really, yes, I, I popped in and out of some Trump rallies along the way, and I, I did visit some conservative folks. But mostly, I was seeking out and looking for Texans who you, who you normally don't hear about. People mm-hmm. who are specifically standing up, who, are, who who kind of exemplify the independence of Texas or this kind of Texas, um, you know, spirit of, uh, you know, independence standing up and being their own thing, yet fighting racism, fighting against the administration's policies. I thought that was, was very interesting. So, therefore, I didn't take, like, a sample group kind of across the board of, like, how Texans on mass view themselves. But what I did find was there was tons of progressive Texans all over the state. And it's a huge state, of course. And they were in the process of redefining what that state is. So mm-hmm. by standing up, again, fighting Trump's policies, I met ranchers who were trying to simply fight eminent domain to keep Trump's wall from destroying the family ranch that had been in their their family for 150 years. I met volunteers who were crossing back and forth into Mexico to try to bring supplies to asylum seekers and families that were just stuck on the border as a result of those policies. I also met a lot of really interesting clergy throughout the state that were, mm-hmm. again, fighting racism. So people, you might think of conservative Christians, well, what about the progressive Christians? And there was a strong movement there. So in our film, we're really looking specifically at a group of people that I wanted to almost like be inspired by that resonated with me. So therefore, I had a very specific point of view I was looking for. Those yes. people, though, I do think are redefining that state. Yeah, the cross-section of people was really, really interesting as you sort of find a, people who might not have that much in common, but at the, at the end of the day, they really want to see what's better for the United States. Yes. It's really, yes. it was a very interesting cross-section of people. I'm so inspired by the people in the film, and you mentioned, I was happy that you mentioned the Congresswoman and the City Councilwoman in your lead-in. I mean, they are just the tip of the iceberg. They're the, they're the main kind of characters in the film, but everybody in the film really are people that even now that, you know, the film is done and, and I've moved on from it, I still think about them daily. I think about things they said and ways that they were with their time volunteering, especially right now in the midst of this coronavirus uh, situation, which is so terrible, where we're all quarantined and kind of locked down. You know, I think back on that year and a half with all of these people and the interconnectivity, getting out of their comfort zone, going door to door, spreading, you know, registering voters, um, just 
becoming part of a community and changing the community. Like, that's very inspiring. So what's interesting is it's this political film about, you could say, pushing back against Trump's policies. And yet there's this wonderful inspiration, of really the spirit of what the United States can be. People participating in their democracy, people who have families. There's also this, there's one character, a young man who's clearly doesn't have a family. He writes some books and he got inspired and he switched from being a conservative and now he's out, you know, trying to help asylum seekers. So you just get this really interesting thing. When you watch the film, you come away thinking, wow, what can we be? And in fairness, I will say a lot of that was me leaning into some of the style and the vibe of one of our producers, Richard Finklater. Well, he has had a legacy (laughs) of making, yeah, well, he's made these films that people talking and and walking and big ideas and kind of this philosophical view. Well, that's also one of the ways that I saw Texas after being inspired and influenced by him. So with with him kind of, you know, as part of our team, I wanted to really create a political doc that would kind of lean into that direction more than some of the others that you might see, you know, that are like telling you what to think. Maybe this film could just evoke some feelings. My guest is Kevin Ford. The name of the film is The Pushback. I do want to talk about the two congresswomen, the two um, women who are running yes. for office, I should say. Now Congresswoman Veronica Escobar and now Councilman mm-hmm. Natasha Harper-Madison. When you think about what Congresswoman Escobar represents about this progressive movement, what is her strength? Her strength is her, Congresswoman Escobar, her strength is her sincerity I mean, she is, A, she's, you know, she was a judge before she was a congresswoman. So she knows the, the law. She knows the Constitution. So she's, you could say she's an authority on, you know, governmental matters. But her heart and soul are so real, so authentic. That's the word I'm looking for. I think that's her real power. She stands up there at the, at the end of the film, and you see this kind of arc of her being pushed to a certain point through this administration's policies directed towards her community, which is El Paso. And as she stands up and, and, and speaks back, it's not just someone blowing off steam or angry. It's someone who's coming completely from the pit of their soul. And you can see that in her eyes. You can see that in her every expression. It's, it's amazing, and I think that's something that I personally don't see a lot of in politics. A lot of people feel like they're giving you these canned responses, um, inauthentic, just talking head sound bites. Veronica Escobar is always somehow grounded in this kind of spiritual force that is it's in her way. I would say the same thing, too, about Natasha Harper-Madison. Every time she speaks... I just kind of stop, and this was while we were filming, but even now as I watch it in the edit, and I just think, wow, man, she really is coming from a place that many just strive to get to of honest, pure communication. So I actually hadn't thought of it, so I appreciate you asking the question, but the two of them have that in common where they're just so, the power is in their authenticity. One thing I thought was also really important about Harper Madison that you point out, Natasha Harper Madison, is she's African-American. And she really, 
I think for a lot of the country, they don't necessarily think about the African-American community in Austin and its history and what has happened to that community. And that she, even now to this day in the film, she talks about experiencing some pretty horrific racism, even though now she is on the city council. So I sort I appreciated that sense of you didn't um, try to make these progressive communities, you know, like these perfect idyllic places like they they're still really big issues. Um, how, how did you, what was your, what was your feeling as you heard her telling you about that kind of Austin? That's a tough question because, you know, if I want to follow their example, I have to be honest. And I, I felt ashamed. Um, you know, I lived in Austin for 10 years and I, I probably at the time thought, man, this is such a cool city and it, and it is a cool city. But I didn't, I didn't often think about the racism that was there. I noticed that there was a divide. There's a main interstate that goes right through the heart of the city. Mm-hmm. And I did wonder in the, my first years living there, why is it that the black and brown communities are mostly east of I-35 and pretty much west of that? It's pretty much all white. You know, and I, obviously I'm a white male, so, you know, you, I'm living over there and I'm thinking these thoughts, well, how did it come to be? Maybe this is just the way it is. Are people self-segregating? No. You just kind of are like learning about it and waking up to it. Well, when I was filming one of the first scenes with Natasha, you know, she was so cool. And we're going around East Austin. She's showing me places that where she lived, went to school, where her father lived, et cetera. And she just stopped at one point. The camera was off. She goes, have you ever been here? Hmm. I know you lived in Austin for 10 years. Have you ever been here where we are right now? And I just said, no. And she said, I didn't think so. And she said, I'm not saying that to make you so uncomfortable. It's just the fact that most people that live in Austin, they don't even understand what's happening over here. And this is just as much a part of the city. So I'm glad you're here filming. And I'm glad we're doing this because we need to show that this is a whole community. And I, I would just say, I, I felt at that point, like, man, I believed the hype as a, as a, you know, people would say, oh, man, stay out of East Austin. Well, of course, now that's all changing so rapidly. East Austin is becoming, um, you know, I don't want to use the G word, but it's kind of what's going on, you know, the gentrification. Yeah. It's, it's so fast and so rapid that now, and she's there trying to say, all right, that's cool. But let's not push out the people who have who have always been here. So let's have responsible growth, or and that's that's part of what's getting uh, her in hot water. There is a lot of she's up against the power structure that's deeply ingrained. And of course, she talks a lot about the history of segregation, and it turns out uh, that divide that I described from the freeway that was part of a, a thing literally called the master plan. The city was divided up along racial lines some time ago. So we're still living in the effects of that now. So, again, I always think the same way if you want to grow as a person, if you can look at yourself and admit your faults, that's the path to growth. It's the same if we look at ourselves as a city or as a state or even as a country. We should be able to look at ourselves and admit our faults and admit where where we were wrong. That is the way that we get better and grow. And I think that's Natasha's message. Hopefully we share that in the film. So it's My not guess- all doom and gloom. 
(laughs) (laughs) My guest is Kevin Ford. The name of his film is The Pushback, taking a look at the political profile of Texas and the progressive movement there. Before I let you go, I do want to talk a lot, a little bit about the border and this sense of what's going on at the border and the militarization of the board and the U.S. government trying to take control of the border and the issue of eminent domain. What is something about that issue that you think most people who don't live in Texas don't necessarily understand? Well, I'll tell you that because that was a big part of what what drew me down there to begin with. I really wanted to see, because we, we are here living in other parts. And by the way, I live in California these days, which is my home state. So I've ended up back in California all these years later. But uh, I had lived in Texas 10 years, and I had never been to the border. Uh, so I thought, I want to see it with my own eyes. We hear about it on the news, and the administration clearly has painted a certain portrait of it. So I thought, I want to go down and see it for myself. The one thing I would say, besides the politics of it, it's an incredibly beautiful border. I mean, we're talking vast nature, wildlife. Um, it points the river is so beautiful that divides U.S. and Mexico. And there's other parts where it's more in, almost like industrial looking, like, say, in the city of El Paso. And, and you know, it's not all one thing. But if you get down and you actually drive along the border, which is what I did while making the film, you're blown away by the sheer beauty of it. It turns out, out in the middle of nowhere, there's not that's not where the, the majority of these crossings, uh, people coming to and from Mexico, are even happening. So you start to realize that this wall, this whole idea of a wall, is completely unnecessary. And there's a, there's a person in the film who was a 20-plus-year Border Patrol agent who is definitely against the wall, and he's more eloquent about describing why. But you're just kind of looking at it and seeing it doesn't fit what the image, if you just hear Trump talking about it on the news, of this lawless, wild border, you know, with people kind of storming through. It's just simply not the case. When you go there and see it for yourself, you're blown away by the beauty and and then a lot of the border communities are full of wonderful people. Again, I couldn't interview all of them, but just look at the ranchers, uh, Greg Cavazos and his cousin Ray. They are some of the coolest, nicest guys. Their family has been there since it was a Spanish land grant. And right now, they're, to, to this day, their land is threatened by this wall. I mean, they're using every bit of resource they have to just save their small ranch. Um, which would be destroyed by by this wall. Also, I got to give a shout out to the Butterfly Center, National Butterfly Center, which would also be destroyed by Trump's wall. And when you see it, it's just the most beautiful habitat nature preserve. And it's not just butterflies; it's the whole ecosystem there that is being threatened. Kevin, when can we see your film? Any any bites yet for distribution? Uh, you know, obviously, we were uh, the whole point of your. You know, this interview, is, this was supposed to be kicking off at South by Southwest, so we are in a massive period of, of just paying attention to society right now. And, and when will we all be able to go out and see films together again? We're still waiting. You know, we had applied to many other film festivals, even after South by Southwest. So if and when it's possible, we're ready to show the film this summer, This you know, as soon as we can. We're also looking and talking to some folks about doing a small theatrical run. Um, if 
this quarantine kind of period stretches on, obviously we might just try to bypass seeing uh, about public screenings and just go straight out through a digital platform as soon as possible. But I would say, obviously, we have a website for the film, and people could go there and maybe follow if they're interested because there will be updates as soon as possible. Uh, we're just trying to figure out, like the rest of us, like mm-hmm. the rest of you, when can we get back to work? Where can we go? How can we do it? Um, but the good news is the film is done and it's ready, and and maybe you can add a link to the website at some point or something. Absolutely. Get, want to give it a shout-out real quick? Yes, it's thepushbackfilm.com. And Kevin. go there, and you can see some of the clips, meet some of the characters, and... and uh, Anyway, we'll definitely post updates as soon as it's available. But I wish it was out there right now. I mean, we we should have been now. Mm-hmm. We would have already been done with all of our screenings at South by Southwest by now. Uh, so that was a devastating blow for us. But at the same time, it's a collective blow. We're all in this together. And my heart right now is that I have so many friends and even family in New York, New York City, and it's just tough. I lived there for seven years, so it's also tough for me to imagine what's happening right there, right now in your city, and people being kind of isolated, locked up. Well, we're all taking care of each other. Uh, I think that's a, that's the upside of it. And you know what else? We put your film out into the world. Maybe this will uh, start some exactly. momentum going. Kevin yeah, Ford. I Yeah, no problem, man. Kevin Ford is the director of the film The Pushback. I'm sure you'll be hearing it and seeing it sometime real soon. Kevin, thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. All of it is supported by Missouri, makers of handcrafted, ethically sourced jewelry for every day that's made to last. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day present? Missouri has taken the guesswork out of gifting, offering everything from dainty 14K solid gold pieces to pearls, diamonds, gemstones, and more. Make it personal with an engraving, or if you can't decide, check out their curated gift guide. Let them take care of the rest, gift wrapping included. Get free shipping on all orders in the U.S. and Canada, plus easy returns and a two-year warranty. Head to Missouri.com slash all of it or use code all of it for 10% off your first order. That's M-E-J-U-R-I dot com slash all of it.